1: Money Pit is presented by Easy Breathe. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards
2: to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Here to help you plan your home improvement projects to get them done right the first time out. If you've got a project in mind, give us a call right now at 1 888 Money Pit. If you're thinking about Maybe a project for the spring ahead. We could tackle that. If you are ready to redo some of your interior because after spending the long, cold winter staring at all those walls, you know it's time for a new kitchen, new bathroom, or just some new decor, we could chat about that. But help yourself first by picking up the phone and calling us at one Money Pit coming up on today's show when it comes to heating your home there are a lot of choices in heating fuel but have you ever wondered which is truly the most efficient which one's really going to cost you the least to get your house warm and comfy we're going to sort out the differences between oil gas propane and electric to help you determine just that And you might be surprised at what we found
3: plus are you ready for a new washing machine well we're going to have tips to help you find the best features for your laundry needs
2: and speaking of a appliances. Stoves can be a real danger zone for kids. We're going to have tips on how to make stoves safe, including an important note about how to prevent stoves from tipping over, because I don't know if this has happened to kids in your care, but mine love to turn that oven door into like a diving board and climb right up on it and jump off.
3: Yeah, mine always love the warming drawer. I don't know why, but guys, whatever's <laughs> going on at your money pit, kids playing with the oven, don't let them do it. Give us a call. We want to help you out.
2: The number is 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888 Leslie, who's first?
3: Many from Florida, you've got the money pit. It seems like things are cracking up all around you. What's going on?
1: I recently moved from the northeast down here to Florida.
2: Hasn't everybody recently moved from the northeast to Florida?
1: <laughs> is that the Great Migration? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Lower taxes and better weather. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I have a, a house. I'm doing major renovation, and I'm noticing not just my property, but everywhere in Florida, because everything's on sand. Mm-hmm. There's so many things: patios. I, I mean, I, I ripped out an entire you know back patio. But there's even everywhere there's a slab of concrete. It's cracked. Whether right. it's cracked a little bit or cracked a lot, and what I need is specific recommendations of what to do. Would you you fill it and then do some kind of an epoxy paint or is there some kind of a resurfacing to be done? What's the best way to go about it and what are the specific products you'd recommend to do that?
2: So we're talking about like patio slabs, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you go, let's say, even if you go out, um, you know, a sliding glass door and you have a little slab of concrete there, my garage is, you know, and, and this is a relatively new house, the garage, and if you look closely, you'll see small cracks or big cracks. The, uh, the, the inside of the garage is cracked. The, the, you know, the entranceway to the garage is cracked. Right. Some of them are big and some of them are small. Okay. Um, the-, the reason
2: I asked you whether we were talking about the patio is because there is a difference between how you would put down a slab that for the house itself, including the garage and how you would do that for A patio outside and and typically what happens is when homeowners have patios poured the masons don't make them thick enough or they don't reinforce the patios and concrete if it's not properly supported which can easily happen especially in sandy soil or in soil where the water is not diverted around or away from the patio they can become unstable and they can crack very easily and in a case like that if you were to seal you know the crack you're not really fixing the problem. It will continue to move. I mean, that concrete wants to bend, and it can't, so it cracked. Certainly, that will slow it down, stop water from getting through the crack and and under it. But in your garage, that's a place that's not really supposed to crack. And if the cracks are minor, that's pretty typical. If they're major, and by major, I mean they've opened up like a quarter to a half inch, that's a problem that needs further investigation by a structural pro. But what you could do is you could fill those gaps with a silicone filler uh, or an epoxy patching compound. And then once they're, once they're filled, you certainly could finish that slab with any type of appropriate finish and epoxy paint works really, really well. If the slabs is barely deteriorated, you know, up in the northeast we see a lot of deteriorated slabs because people put rock salt down. There are different resurfacing materials that you can use uh, in your area that will give that concrete a new surface. But I want to just explain to you that again, if it's outside the frame of the building, it's most likely to continue to move. So if you've got a concrete apron at the front of the garage uh, and it's cracked, you know, just because you're covering it or filling cracks doesn't mean it's not going to open up or continue to move because that's kind of what it's going to do. It's a factor of, of how that was poured to begin with. Does so that make sense?
1: Yes, and, and what I'm wondering is, is you know, there's, it seems like there's two major choices here. One is to fill it and, and paint it, and the other is just some kind of resurfacing. But I haven't heard, you know, I've got some different contractors looking at this. By the way, you mentioned a patio. Um, I had a, a rear patio, and it was so cracked up. I had three different contractors come. With all different three different answers, you know, yeah. some and and some said to tile it, some said to fill it. We eventually just demoed it and then just put a put a, a deck on the back, you know, uh, right. materials, and yeah. that well, I really liked that a lot because they said sooner or later, if you, even if you fix it, it's going to come back again. But like for example, the entranceway to the to the house that's cracked. I mean, it's, right. I'm just shocked, and, and I've looked around now. I'm very aware of this, but in these southern any any of these places where it's on sand i mean it's this is a major problem, and I definitely i checked out the website. I do hope you address this on I love your site by the way. I learned a lot on the site, Thanks. but that you that that there's something that you could write up and and give us some specific maybe uh uh products or- well
2: look you know outside those slabs you gotta remember that's structural okay. That's like your yard's version of a rug. Okay. That's not designed to hold anything. It just gives you a clean surface for you to walk on, for your air conditioner to sit on and for guests coming up to your house to, to step on for, to make a bridge between a driveway and the garage slab itself. So, you know, that you say crack concrete, immediately you think everything is structural. It's really not. There's, there's some concrete that's structural and some that's not. If you're a slab on grade house and you got cracks going through the middle of your kitchen, which I've seen, that's structural, but outside, it's not. So it becomes cosmetic. And in terms of whether or not you just fill it and paint it or whether you put a, if you were to resurface that, Quikrete's got some amazing products that will bond and stick like crazy to concrete surfaces, and, and those are great, and you'll get a new, clean-looking surface, but that crack underneath can form... All the way through the newly resurfaced material. So it depends on what you're trying to achieve, but don't panic and don't think that, you know, you're having structural problems because you see patios and, and sidewalks and outside slabs cracked it's not important. It's cosmetic only. Yes, we could have prevented it if the concrete was thicker, if it was reinforced. But look, they're not doing it that way. They save money, whatever. If you want to tear it out and do it right, you could do that. But until then, you just kind of kind of seal it, fill those cracks and just kind of live with it. That's what I would do.
1: And, but you mentioned a product called Quickcrete. I was worried about, uh, you know, trying something To try to, to put a, you know, a veneer on top of it, whatever that was. And I'm not sure of the products to go after. But, um, if you put a product, let's say I've heard of QuickCrete. I I don't think I've ever used it.
2: Yeah. And QuickCrete is a major brand. It's the leading brand in concrete products for the home. I mean, and commercials well, but it's, it's, these guys have the technology down and one of their projects is a resurfacer. So yes, it's not a miracle. It's not going to reinforce the structure of that. It will still flex and bend and crack. You know, but listen, you're never gonna get it to be totally crack free. And uh if it bothers you that much, I'd say then go ahead and resurface it and the crack when it comes back is gonna be more hairline than sort of like a gap. Okay? Thanks so much for calling us at one eight eighty eight Money Pit.
3: Zelda in North Carolina is looking for some help with a renovation. What can we do for you?
0: Yes, um I've done a lot with my floors but I, I put some laminate in everywhere because I have a little chihuahua dog and didn't want to get scratches on real wood. But there is a bathroom upstairs and a small hallway in front. And I didn't want laminate there because you don't want it in the bathroom. So what else would be good? Because I didn't want the grout issues of tile. Or, and I didn't know what else to go through. I thought about bamboo or is there some tile that doesn't have the grouty stuff? Or
2: Well, there's a wide variety of choices. Now, you mentioned that you didn't want to put laminate there. Do you want something that gives you a wood look? Not necessarily. All right. Well, one of the options that I was thinking would be a bamboo floor. Bamboo is very, very durable, and it's also very good in moist, damp areas. It doesn't swell. And you can pick up bamboo as an engineered product, which means it's made in multiple layers, which gives it dimensional stability. But of course, that is going to give you sort of that Wood look. There are also luxury vinyl products that are out today that are very, very thick and heavy vinyl tile that are not very expensive.
3: Yeah, it's like a rubberized vinyl, even. They're fairly thick. They're, you know, available in like a plank style, so it actually looks like wood. Some of those will, um, Some will snap together as the rubberized vinyl. Some will sort of overlap and stick to one another. It depends on the quality of the product, to be honest with you. But they're both, you know, whichever, however much money you do spend on a rubberized vinyl, it goes together very easily and it looks fantastic. And it's a little bit softer, so it's more forgiving on your, you know, your legs, knees, back when you're standing in the room for a long time.
0: Well, yeah, because my first choice when I went to look was the bamboo, but I wasn't sure if that could go in the bathroom. So that... That really is what I kind of like the best. Yeah,
2: great. Thank you so much. That's very helpful. You're welcome, Zelda. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. Give us a call at 888 Money Pit, presented by Home Advisor. Find out what it costs to do your home project before you hire that pro and instantly book one of Home Advisor's top rated pros for free.
2: Up next gas, oil, propane, or electric. With so many ways to heat your home, we're going to help you sort out which is the most efficient and the most effective after this.
1: You live
0: in a money pit.
3: Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors?
2: That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a hundred times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold
3: The Money Pit Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com
2: making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Standing by on this February weekend to take your home improvement question at one Money Pit. presented by HomeAdvisor. They really do have the best local pros for any home service.
3: That's right. Doesn't matter what the project is, they make it fast and easy to find top-rated pros.
2: And there are no membership fees. It's 100% free to use. HomeAdvisor.com.
3: Going up north to Rhode Island where Doug's got a question about heat sources. What can we do for you, Doug?
0: Yeah, hi. Good evening.
1: Uh, I appreciate
0: your show, and I thank you for all your uh, hard work in providing such uh, wonderful answers. I, I, my question has to do with I'm looking considering an alternative source for heat in the, in the event of power loss. And I'm trying to weigh my options, and I'm looking at pellet stoves and wood stoves, and I'm wondering what your opinions on if there are if there's anything else that I should be considering?
2: yeah, you should be considering a whole home generator if you're concerned about power failure. I mean, look, it's not just the heat that you need in the power failure um if have you thought about installing a generator
0: uh <laughs> You know, if I did install one, it would have to be one that just kicks on, one of those, whatever they call it, the automatic style.
2: Yeah, it's called, called, let me explain this to you, Doug. It's called a whole home generator. It's a permanently installed appliance. It would be installed outside your house. You can buy one that can cover every single circuit in the house, or you could buy a smaller one that would just cover select circuits, like, for example, your furnace or your boiler. And when the power fails on the grid, the, the whole home generator automatically kicks on and then repowers your entire house. Now, these don't run on gasoline. They can run on natural gas or propane, which means you never have to worry about fueling them or finding gasoline to, to fill a tank, for example, because that's what you'd have to do if you had a portable generator. So I would protect my power first. Now, as to the question about installing some alternative heat source, like a pallet stove or a wood stove, sure, one of the other of those is fine. I think you'll find maximum efficiency with the pallet stoves. And the most efficient stoves also have their own combustion air supply. That's where most folks go wrong, because if you don't have an outside combustion air supply, where do you think all that air comes? To fuel that fire. It comes from inside your house, and that's the air that you've already paid to heat through your heating system. So you want to have an external combustion air supply to help improve the efficiency. Does that make sense, Doug? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I do have natural gas. Well, then you're all set up. I would take a look at the uh, Kohler generators or the Generac generators, both great brands.
1: Yeah, I'll try to look into it.
2: Good luck, Doug. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: So have you ever been bombarded with ads compelling you to choose propane over oil or natural gas over electric? Well, all of these competing claims can make it very hard to find out what the best deal is for you, because that differs from person to person. Now, according to the Department of Energy, the best home heating fuel option for your home depends on a variety of factors, including the cost and availability of the fuel and the cost of maintenance and installation. Now, the truth is that for most of us, our home heating fuel options. Options may not be up to us since the fuel has to match the heating appliance that was installed in your home or your apartment or condo, and switching from one fuel to another usually isn't practical, but there are ways you can
2: save. Well, that's right. For example, if you heat by oil or even in some cases, propane one way to cut costs is to join a fuel cooperative. These oil fuel cooperatives are groups that form to purchase fuel oil in bulk, and they do so at a discount, which is then passed along to the end users. Now, the cooperatives have been around for more than 20 years or so, and joining one can give you some pretty significant savings. But just remember, you have to kind of split out the service work because the cooperative is not going to tune up your furnace and that sort of thing. So You are going to have to hire a pro to keep things in good working order or repair it if it breaks. purchasing the fuel, you definitely don't have to do that through the same company. If you go through a cooperative, you can cut the cost.
0: Now we've got Robin in Oregon who's dealing with some mold issues. Tell us what's going on. In our bathroom, uh, there just seems to be a lot of moisture. I don't know if the exhaust fan is working properly or not. Um, on one of your shows, you'd mentioned concrobium. So I spray that in the shower and that seems to help stave it off. But we use a fan, we use the exhaust fan and we use a dehumidifier And I noticed on the outside, I guess, outtake vents, there's a whole bunch of black stuff. And then also when our sinks underneath the faucet, there's like mold back in behind that um, hole. So I'm wondering, is this going to be a health concern or how do I stop some of this mold?
2: Well, I mean, the solution comes down to managing moisture and it, it sounds like you're doing the right things. But one common mistake that people make with exhaust fans is that they don't leave them on long enough after you take a bath or a shower, they really have to stay on sometimes 15 or 20 minutes to properly dry out the room.
0: Well, I know well, I can't speak for my husband, but I know that I do just because I've got a fan running. I've got a dehumidifier and I've, we've also got the um, exhaust fan and it is the, the biggest one that you can have. And I'm wondering if just because of our moist area, we need to get two of them. So it's directly over the shower. I, I don't know, but I'm worried that through the whole pipe that leads to the outside, is that all filled with mold in there if the outside vent shows mold?
2: Well, the vent that's taking the air from the bathroom out, is that what you're seeing on the outside wall? I'm
0: not seeing on the wall, just on the vent itself. You know, where the, I guess where the air goes out to the outside, that whole vent is all moldy looking.
2: Well, you know, a lot of people look at vents that are dirty and call it mold. I think, I think it would be unusual for it to be moldy. Because you'd have to have a pretty strong food source there. And the only thing you're going to have coming out of that vent is a bit of dust, which could be a mold source, but it's very unusual for it to to really develop. So I think you might just be seeing a dirty vent. It's much more likely that what you're seeing there is dirt and not mold. But I would say this, if you want to eliminate the possibility of moisture inside the bathroom, what you want to do is you want to make sure that the exhaust fan, the the bathroom fan, is wired to a humidistat. And if you take a look at the fans that are made by Brone Newtone... They actually have a new one coming out, I know, that has a humidistatic control. And I, and I think they have some others as well. We just saw one uh, last week ago at a major trade show called the International Builders Show that they were uh, releasing for the first time. But if you get one of these fans that's got a humidistatic control in it, then you don't have to worry about whether or not somebody's leaving it on or not. It just stays on until the moisture goes down, then it automatically goes off. So it kind of takes you out of the equation. Okay. And, and your husband. Because <laughs> he, he could be the problem.
0: I don't have to be a grouch and say turn that back on.
2: Okay, you do not. You do not.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I will try those. And the concrobium is working great in the shower. So that was an excellent tip from before.
2: Our pleasure. Glad it worked out for you, Robin. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
3: Still to come. Are you looking to shop for a good bargain on a new washing machine? Well, one piece of advice: don't scrimp too much. We're going to tell you why spending more now can save you some later. After this. Eight
2: eight eight Money Pit. making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: What are you working on? You need new flooring in your kitchen or your bathroom? Well, that's a good question for us. So call us right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT presented by Home Advisor. Home Advisor can instantly match you with the right pro for jobs like that and so much more for free.
3: Tony in Iowa is having a hot and cold water situation. What's going on?
2: Well, I've got an electric water heater. And the the main feed that comes in from, from the city, that goes into my uh, electric water heater, it's a cold line. But yeah, I get cold water to come out of my faucets and everything. But that cold water line up around through the, up around through the uh, water heater there, it's hot. The, the line when I touch it and I'm just curious what's going on with that. So, you have an electric water heater and that's going to be fed by a cold water line and it's going to go through the water heater and come out as a hot water line. That's correct. Okay, and so what's the problem? So far it's normal. The so the water line that goes into the water heater, the cold water? Yes. Yep. That line is hot. Well, some of the heat from the water heater can be working its way back up the pipe. So you may be feeling some conductive heat that comes from the hot water in the water heater itself could be making that pipe warm. But if you go farther down the line, you're going to feel that it's cold again. It goes in cold and comes out hot, but the fitting right around the top might feel like it's a bit warm. But that's only because of the conductive heat of the water in the water heater coming back up the metal pipe. Okay, that alleviates my concerns. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: Dana in Iowa, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today?
0: Well, I have a shelf that needs to be cut down so it'll fit in the base of our A-frame cabins that we just bought in the Ozarks. And so it's about 20 inches tall and it's about three feet long and it kind of has those baskets that fit in it. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to cut it at an angle so that it fits back in there and it's not just sticking out into the the flooring space.
3: So Dana, what you need to do is that I mean, really what you have to do is sort of resize this piece so that it will fit into that open bay portion so that it's not, as you say, sticking out into the room. And you really need to be creative with the angles to sort of figure out what needs to come out of where. Can you tell me a little bit more about this A-frame and the size of the shelf?
0: Well, the A-frame is just a regular A-frame. It goes all Mm -hmm. the way from the top to the peak, all the way to the ground level. And um, so I was trying to figure out how do you figure the angle so that I know what angle to cut this shelf on.
3: Well, there's a tool that you're going to want to get, T-Bevel, and it's it's like a plastic handle with this sort of uh, tic-tac oval shaped blade that's got like Mm -hmm. a slide set in the middle of it. And Mm -hmm. you're going to open that up. You can get that at any tool area, you know, at the home center. And you're going to want to open it up and you put that right in the corner at the angle and then lock it in that position. And then you go ahead and put that at your T-square. And that's going to tell you exactly the angle that you need to cut at. Or you can then take that T-bevel and go right up to the bottom of your shelf Put it exactly where you 're going to want to put that cut and mark that line
2: yeah it 's like an adjustable square and it 's called a T bevel, and you should be able to find an inexpensive one mm-hmm. uh, like I mean it Leslie really said, is going to
3: save your day and make this the easiest project.
2: I use that all, right. all the time for different types of fancy mitering cuts and two because there's a couple of tricks of the trade where you can you know measure an angle and then divide it. <clears throat> so that you can make a miter that ends up perfect uh, on, on both sides. But, and we also use it sometimes to set the angle on saw blades. So I think you'll find that it'd be a very handy tool for this particular project. Okay, mm-hmm. Dana?
0: All right. Thank you very much.
2: Well, here's a quick tip if you're in the market for a new washing machine. You might be tempted to buy the least expensive model out there and save some money, but you'll get better savings in the long run when you purchase a high-efficiency washer.
3: Now, high-efficiency washing machines use half the energy of a conventional washer and about a third less water. The spin cycle is super fast, so your clothes don't need as much drying time, which is also going to save you energy with your dryer.
2: And you'll also use about two-thirds less detergent in a high-efficiency washer. And these machines can even handle large, bulky items like comforters and blankets and sleeping bags a lot easier than the inefficient models. And that's going to save all of those special trips you used to have to take to the dryer dry cleaners or the mat. So definitely dig into the high-efficiency machines if you're ready to replace your washer.
3: Don in Pennsylvania is on the line with a lighting question. How can we help you today?
1: Now, we're going to redo our kitchen
2: ceiling this year. And we have okay. six-inch pot lights up in the ceiling. Yeah, the can lights?
1: Yeah. And okay. We was wondering if we would take them out, if we put the LED lights under the cabinet, if it would give us as much light
2: no, I, I wouldn't take them out. I would keep them in. Now, you know, one is for area lighting, one's for task lighting. So the LED lights that could go under the edge of the cabinet could give you task-specific lighting for like food prep, and they also look darn cool when you when you dim them in a party, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But uh, I would keep the uh, keep the lights in the ceiling. But by the way, you have a lot of options in in uh, the type of bulbs that you can put in those ceiling lights. You could actually put in. LED bulbs into those ceiling lights too, and you may find the quality of light is is better than what you have with the incandescents.
1: I mean, take them out and put like maybe like four inch ones and smaller ones, or just leave the six ones in there.
2: I would leave them. I think that you know, I, I think you could use the six inch ones that you have. I don't think that's part of the project that's going to give you a good return on investment. But you know, if you change the bulbs out, I, I think you'll find that that will make a difference. Take a look at those Phillips bulbs. I've got uh, several of those now in my house, including in the kitchen, as can lights. They're LEDs, and we match them up with Lutron dimmers where you can adjust the dimming range, and they're super bright, and they cost a heck of a lot less to run than the incandescents, and they last a lot longer. I mean, we used to replace those incandescents uh, all the time, and these have been uh, I've never had to replace them, and I think they say they last, like, over 20 years.
1: Where would you find the solar on at?
2: Uh, you can get them at uh, Home Depot. I know okay. that uh, I've gotten there. They're really interesting looking, Jack. They're the ones that look, they look like yellow. They kind of look, I always think they look like uh, bug lights. Okay. But you'll be amazed when the thing comes on how bright it is.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're super efficient.
2: Well, that's what we're looking for. All right, Don, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit.
3: Up next, stoves can be a real danger zone for kids for so many reasons. We're going to have tips on how to make stoves safe, including an important note about preventing stoves from tipping over after this.
0: Live in the body pit.
3: The Money Pit is presented by Easy Breathe Ventilation Systems. Don't stay trapped
1: breathing stale, dirty air this winter. Call Easy Breathe and save 20% on clean, fresh indoor air all the time. Call 866 822 7328 or
0: visit EasyBreathe.com.
2: Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What's the one project that you would like to get done in the remainder of this year? Spring is just ahead. Great time to tackle projects both inside or outside your house before it gets too terribly hot. If you've got a project on your to-do list, slide it right over to ours by calling us right now at one 888 Pit, and we will figure out the best way to get that project done.
3: And in Georgia, you are on the line with the Money Pit. How can we help you today?
0: Well, uh, my house was built back in the 60s, and uh, I know now when they put up drywall, they use drywall screws. Yep. Back back then, they used a hammer.
1: Yep. And mm-hmm. I've got
0: these mm-hmm. dings on the walls and on the ceiling, and I've you know tried to uh, put, you know, spackle over the top of them and, and scrape it off and, and sand it and... I, and paint it, and there they are. They come right back again. Is there anything I can do to sort of cover it, or do I have to take down all the drywall?
3: No, no. Are you sure it's a hammer ding and not a nail pop? Does it seem like it's raised, or does it seem like it's recessed?
2: They're recessed. they recessed. Okay. So the solution here is spackling, but it's not just a one-shot thing. What you want to do is put multiple coats of spackle on. And so you start, and you can go out to a home center or a hardware store, and you can buy plastic uh, spackle knives that are basically disposable. So you start out with one that's about two inches. Then you go to one that's about four or five inches. Then you go with one that's like six or eight inches wide. And if you put on three layers like that, you'll fill it in. It'll be absolutely flat. But you can't just stop there. If you're going to start doing this around the house, you're going to have to repaint all of those surfaces, and you should prime them first, because if not, you're going to get different absorption between the areas that were newly spackled and the old ones, and that will result in sort of like a a weird kind of glazing or sort of shade difference with the way the paint kind of takes. Oh, okay. All right. Now, if you have one that looks like it's cracked, what Leslie was talking about were called nail pops. Uh-huh. And frankly, that's much more likely than the dents you're describing, unless you mm-hmm. just happen to have a really overaggressive guy with a hammer <laughs> that put that thing together back in the 60s.
3: Those dents are haunting you 50 years later.
2: <laughs> yeah. The nail pops, you could put another nail next to the one that sort of stuck it out and drive it in. And that, the, the second nail will hold in the first nail. But remember, it's really key that you sand, prime, and paint to make this all go away. And lastly, the type of paint you use is critical. Make sure you use flat paint. Do not use anything with a sheen because when you put something with a sheen on a wall, any defect in the wall becomes magnified when the light hits it.
0: Well, that's great advice.
2: Well, stoves can be a real danger zone for kids, and if you'd like to prevent accidental burns and fires, it's real important that you pay attention to the angle of the pot and pan handles. They've got to be pushed away from the front of the stove, so always try to use those back burners and then turn the handles in so kids can't possibly reach them because they love to explore, and you want to keep their hands away from those handles.
3: Yeah, not only do they explore, they just run through the kitchen so quickly. So you have to make sure that you don't have any of those handles hanging out where you can just have a potentially super bad accident. Now, another tip is to pull the knobs off of the stove when you're not using them. Keep them nearby in a drawer. They come off very easily. You know, how many times does a kid brush by and maybe accidentally turns the knob and turns on the gas or turns on an electric burner? Whatever it might be, you've got to just take those extra precautions and always teach the kid to stay away from you stay away from mommy daddy grandma whoever is at the house when someone is cooking
2: now also here's a tip that i think a lot of folks are not familiar with if you're putting in a new oven range you want to make sure that you install the anti-tip brackets now these are included now with all new ranges and it's a bracket that basically usually fits over the back legs of the stove And when you push the stove in, it kind of locks the stove in place. It doesn't lock it in the sense that you can't pull it out again, but it sort of traps it there so that if the kids were to open the oven door and climb up on it, the stove will not tip over because they are actually surprisingly unstable. If you push down on an oven door, it could tip forward and fall over very easily. So those tip brackets are really important to know about and to make sure that they are installed when it comes time to replacing that oven.
3: Joe in Illinois, you've got the money, but how can we help you today?
1: I have a single-story house that's got hot water. i got a boiler with hot water heat baseboard. And about eight years ago, I had air con- uh, central air conditioning installed. Okay. And they did all that. They run all the trunk lines up in the attic, put all my yep. registers in the ceiling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now The problem happens during wintertime. I'm getting condensation on. You know, I'll go around and shut them registers off, but it's not 100% shut off on them registers, of course. And I'm getting condensation that's forming up in my trunk line, and I'm getting condensation dripping out of my registers, which... I'm starting to get some water stains on my ceiling around my registers from this.
2: All right, so you have an energy problem. The problem is that those registers are so cold that when the warm, moist air from the house strikes them, it condenses. And so you need additional insulation in the space above that. You may need to insulate in or around those ducts. You may need to wrap those ducts with additional insulation. You need to keep those ducts warmer. And and frankly, the bigger problem is one that you can't see. If it's that cold at your ceiling, you're probably losing a lot of heat through that ceiling. So I would get up in that attic space and take a look. You know, in your part of the country, having 15 or 20 inches of insulation is not unheard of. And it is certainly a good idea.
1: Well, basically, I know when they put it in there, they lay them trunk lines right on top. I got like 20 inches of blown fiberglass. They laid them trunk lines. I need to feel that fiberglass back, bury them trunk lines, and insulate all around that wheel good.
2: I think that would make a lot of sense.
1: Sounds
2: good, Dan. All right, Joe, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: Hey, is your home improvement wish list bigger than your budget? Well, put a dent in it this month with some of the best deals of the year. We'll tell you where to find them when the Money Pit continues.
0: Live in the Money Pit!
3: presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work.
0: Check out HomeAdvisor.com.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. We'd love to hear what you're working on in your Money Pit. The number to call us is 888-MONEY-PIT presented by HomeAdvisor. The fast and easy way to find the right pro for any kind of home project, whether it's a small repair or a major remodel.
3: Well, now that it's wintertime, a lot of us have been feeling the chill this winter season, just like Alan in Pennsylvania has been. Now Alan writes, my replacement windows are about 10 years old. I notice that they freeze or frost up about a half inch on the bottom of the window. Every year the area seems to get a little bigger. Is this a moisture problem or a window problem or no problem at all?
2: Sounds to me like it's definitely a window problem. If the windows are freezing up on the bottom, it means that they're not insulated. And especially if you've got thermal pane windows, there may be uh, the seal that, that broke between the panes of glass, and it's not going to get any better. It will only vary based on the difference in temperature between outside and inside if it's warm and moist inside and it's cold and freezing outside that's where you get the the frost so this is definitely an opportunity for you alan to think about replacement windows are a lot easier to install than you might think because you don't have to tear out the siding they're going to fit inside those existing openings and if you buy good ones you know good energy star rated replacement windows you'll find that it's going to make a huge difference in the comfort of your home going forward
3: and you know just outside of the warmth that you're going to get from the new windows there's so many great features that make them so much more fantastic to use. You can flip them down to clean them. You can tilt them open. Depending on what you pick, you're going to find a lot of great new stuff that you're going to appreciate.
2: Well, you have a boring bathroom, but maybe no bucks to spruce it up. There's actually a lot you can do on the cheap with paint. Leslie has that how-to in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie, paint your favorite inexpensive product for totally overdoing a room, right? <laughs> it
3: really is. It can make such a big difference. And there truly is no less expensive way to transform a bathroom or really any room in your house, for that matter, than with paint. And if you do it yourself, you can save even more. Now, here's four ideas to get you started. Stencil your ceiling. A lot of people think, oh, the ceiling is painted white. No, 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 no. The ceiling is a totally underused canvas, and you can create a really unexpected focal point. So paint it in a contrasting color. That's a great way to draw attention upward. Use a soft blush if you're in a bedroom. Stencil the pattern on the ceiling. So many great options. Even paint the ceiling the same color as the wall's. Why not make an entirely one-color room? You can totally do that. Now, here's another idea. Create drama with some boldly colored walls. Consider those saturated colors like turquoise, terracotta, deep blues, deep grays, almost charcoaly black grays, almost that green like uh, seaweed that's so green it's almost black. Those colors are so fantastic and can really change the look of a room. And you'd be surprised that that dark color can seem very, very crisp and fresh. Now, here's another idea. If you've got a little imagination and a paintbrush, You can actually paint a simple mural and add some pizzazz to an otherwise ordinary bathroom. Now, keep in mind things like bare trees or blooms are easiest to master if you're not exactly a Picasso, but you can find so many online tutorials. And even Bob Ross, you can still catch him online somewhere and he'll be painting happy little trees. So can you. So take that time to create a beautiful personal space in your bathroom with some creativity. And now here's another idea. Instead of replacing an outdated vanity, give it a over with paint and some new hardware. You're going to find that the oil-based paint will work best in moist environments and it's easier to clean. You just have to make sure that you've got some good ventilation in the room that you're working on since that oil-based paint does carry a lot of fumes. So you want to make sure that you protect yourself in the process
2: good advice. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Speaking of bathrooms, have you ever dreamed of having a futuristic bathroom? You know, the kind that practically does everything for you? Well, coming up next time in the program, we'll have tips on the cool new gadgets that can help bring your bathroom into the 21st century. But for now, that's all the time we have. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself, but you don't have to do it alone.